you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. Apostle Paul is writing, and uh, we're going to continue through Colossians today. We'll go to Easter next Sunday. The last part, I'll give you a little spoiler alert of this sermon. I'm going to go through fairly quickly, but I want to come back to that later, probably this fall, because there's just too much in there for me to not spend more time on it. So anyway, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul is writing, he says this, to the church at Colossae. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, perhaps better translated, since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate your love. And thank you for Jesus Christ, the conqueror of our fears. I pray that you would move in our lives as we preach today. May it not just be another sermon, but may the Holy Spirit be speaking and connecting with lives in a way that are, is life-changing for many of us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Question, what are you thinking? Some of you are thinking, it's too hot in here. Some of you are thinking, it's too cold in here. Some of you are thinking, Where's so-and-so today? I'm missing them this morning. Some of you are thinking, I wish the preacher would hurry up and get done. I want to get to lunch. What are you thinking this morning? And what do you think is really important? Today, we're going to talk about what you think. What do you really think? And how does that affect your life? In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, since you have been raised up with Christ... Set your mind, your heart, your life on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. Since Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, since he was raised from the dead, since he's given you eternal life, you have both a privilege and a responsibility. It's a responsibility because think about what Jesus Christ did for you. Jesus Christ came to this earth for you. He lived a perfect, sinless life, yet he was rejected, he was mocked, he was stripped, he was beaten, and he was nailed to a cross, an instrument of torture and death for you, that you might be living with him one day forever and ever in this amazing place called heaven. What a responsibility that we have because of what he's done for us Why would we not want to give our lives back to him? It is also a great privilege. Think about it. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you, one day you'll be with him forever in heaven. But not only that, he is with you right here and right now. He was with you every moment of every single day. The Bible says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You get to partner with the one who knows everything who can do anything, who has the capacity to be everywhere at the same time, and he loves you more than you can ever begin to love anyone else, and he wants to empower you for living moment by moment and day by day. What a privilege it is to partner with Jesus Christ and follow him in this world. Here's the question. 
Where are you setting your mind today? Have I got any negative Nellies in the room? Anybody live with one or two of them? Got a few hands. How about some critical Carls? How about some um, aggravated Arthurs or Anns? How about some discouraged Dans? Have I got anybody like that in the room today? I understand what you mean. Sometimes I get discouraged. There are times when after the 9 o'clock service, and I preach this sermon, I just want to go into my office and hide, and I don't want to come back and do the next service. There are times when I just want to drive down to Florida for the wintertime and maybe never come back. Maybe join a mega church and be a part-time substitute Sunday school teacher and a greeter at the door. I can do that. You ever get discouraged? You ever get down? There are times when circumstances don't go the way that I want them to go. Ever happen to you? Here's the question. Do you really believe there's a God in heaven? Do you really believe that he loves you? Do you really believe that he is empowering you to live moment by moment and day by day? I get it. We live in a broken world. But we also serve the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than all you can ask or think or even imagine. Do you believe that? We serve the God who says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Do you believe that? We serve the God who's able to do more than we can ask, more than we can think, more than we can imagine. He's declared you to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ your Lord. Do you believe that? But I can be honest with you. Some days I don't feel like more than a conqueror. Some days I don't look like more than a conqueror. But where? In the middle of those days, are you setting your affections? Where are you setting your heart? Where are you setting your mind? Where are you setting your life? When the things above, on the things of God, or the circumstances of this life? Suppose you had no money, not one dollar to your name. In fact, you are so poor, you're going to be evicted from your house on Thursday. And you're going to have to move into a tent. How many of you think, praise God, this is awesome. You're not thinking that, are you? However, you also know that two days after that on Saturday, you're going to inherit $100 million. How many of you complaining about the tent then? How many of you thinking, I can't believe it's hot today. I can't believe it's cold today. I can't believe my bed's not more comfortable. You're not thinking about that, are you? You're thinking, two days from now, I can live anywhere I want to live. I can drive anywhere I want to drive. I can sleep anywhere I want to sleep. I can go anywhere I want to go. I am going to have my life changed When I get that $100 million, let me tell you something. You're going to get something a whole lot better than $100 million one of these days. Did you know that? And I know it might seem a lot longer and is a lot longer than two days until you get it. Hopefully, for most of us, I'm not ready to die yet. How about you? But compared to eternity, your life on this earth is less than a snap of the finger in length. Is it not? 
And I'm not saying follow Jesus and you'll be financially rich. I'm not saying you'll never have a headache or heartache in this life. That's not the goal. The goal is this. In the middle of it all, in the middle of the good and the bad and the easy and the hard and the totally frustrating, my focus, your focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to honor him. I want to glorify him. I want to be everything he's called me to be in this world. I want to do everything that he's called me to do as long as I've got breath to breathe on this planet. I want to live my life for God. The goal is to become everything God has created you to become, to do everything he's created you to do, and share the good news with others. The problem is a lot of people are settling. A lot of churches are settling. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle, do you? I don't want to be like the man who took his one talent and he buried it in the sand. I was afraid. I knew it wouldn't work out. It wasn't going to be good. So I just took what you had and I buried it in the sand. You know what God said to that person? You wicked, lazy servant. But there was a two-talent man and there was a five-talent man that they went out, they took a risk, they stepped out on faith, and they doubled what God had given them. And you know what God said to them? Well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, God did not call you just to sit here and exist and get by in life until one day you're going to be with him in heaven. God has called you to go for it. God has called you to be everything that he's created you to be. God has called us as a church to impact this community and impact this world with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Anybody with me today? We have this amazing opportunity. What are we going to do with it? Listen, last Friday night I was so excited about this sermon. I was preaching. I was right here at this very point, and all of a sudden I heard a voice. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. It was my wife saying, Kevin, can you come walk the dog for me? (laughs) Sometimes in the most spiritual moments of your life, you still got to do the mundane. You still got to walk the dog on Friday. You still got to take out the trash on Monday. You still got to go to work on Tuesday. You still got to go to the hospital and visit somebody. You still got to go to the nursing home. You still got to meet with those people you don't want to meet with. It's called life. But in the middle of what is called life, you have this opportunity to partner with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You have God living inside of you, using you for His glory. If by the grace of God, you'll do this one thing. You'll live your life as though you really believe that God is on the throne and you really believe he's making a difference in your life and you really believe he wants to make a difference in you and through you in this world. It will revolutionize your life from the inside out. How many of you want to be revolutionized today? Set your affections on things above. Set your affections on Jesus Christ and his power and his ability to move and work in and through your life and in this world. Go to verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When you became a Christian, Christ's death became your death, and his life became your life. 
Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God doesn't want to just be part of your life. He wants to be your life. But too often we compartmentalize our lives. I got work over here. I got school over here. I got family over here. I got church over here. We compartmentalize. Kind of like it is when, when, when we get some food to eat. You got your green beans over here. You got your mashed potatoes over there. You got your salad over here. You got your Salisbury steak over there. And everything is just kind of set apart nice and neat. But when you think about the Christian life, don't think that kind of a meal. Think spaghetti. Okay? When you eat spaghetti, you've got all these noodles here, right? And then over here, you've got this little bitty bowl of sauce, and you kind of dip your noodle in the sauce, and you eat it like that. You don't do it like that, do you? If you like your sauce like I do, Lots of meat, lots of sauce. You get your noodles in there, and then what do you do? You pour on the sauce, right? You drown it in the sauce because it's good. Jesus Christ is the sauce. He doesn't want to just be a part of your life. Some of you are laughing about that. I didn't mean it that way, okay? Uh, The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, okay? All right, let's get that straight. But Jesus Christ, now some of you are really getting it. <laughs> Be filled with the Spirit, okay? Not the Spirits, the Spirits, capital S, okay? Try another one. How about sweet tea? Have I got any sweet tea lovers in the room? All right. When you're drinking sweet tea, what do you do? You get you a, a glass of tea that's not sweetened, and you have a little bitty bowl of sugar over there, and you drink some tea, and you put a little fork in the, the sugar just to get a little smidgen of a taste. You put that in your mouth, and you drink the tea, then you get this. You don't do it like that, do you? When you're making it, you pour in all the sugar you can stand. It's a sweet tea, right? Jesus wants to be the sugar in your sweet tea. He wants to be the sauce on your spaghetti. He wants to be the syrup that you're drowning those pancakes in. He wants to smother, cover, fill your life with himself. He doesn't want to just be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. He wants to fill your life. He wants to empower you for living moment by moment and day by day. Not only does Jesus Christ want to fill your life, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This speaks of God's protection. It also means the world is going to misunderstand you. If you're consistently and conscientiously living your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, the world's not going to understand you. They're not going to get you. That doesn't mean you need to be weird, okay? There's enough weird Christians out there. It doesn't mean you walk up to people and say, hey, my name is Kevin. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Good to meet you today. That's not what we're talking about, okay? But we should be kind We should be gracious, we should be thoughtful, we should be honest, we should be dependable, we should use language that honors God, we should look for opportunities to to share our faith, but the world's not going to get that. 
when you don't go and party with them after work in the bar. The world's not going to get that when you don't cuss and listen to their uh, off-color stories. The world's not going to get that when you don't live like they live. Our personalities should not be offensive. We want to be as winsome as possible. When you're out there in the world, people ought to want to see you coming. When you go to a restaurant that you frequent fairly often, the waiter and the waitress ought to be fighting over getting to serve you. It ought not to be, oh, those those church people again. I don't wait on them. They're always complaining, and they leave a horrible tip. Don't be that way. They should say, there's John, there's Mary. Oh, yeah, I love it when they come in here. They're so kind, they're so thoughtful, and they leave a generous tip. They're great people. If you're working on a project at school or at work, People ought to want to partner with you, not because you're the smartest person in the room necessarily, but because they know they can depend upon you to do what you're supposed to do, and they know that you can be thoughtful and kind and honest to them. They don't want to be around us. And when people come and visit us here at Northside, man, people ought to feel like I just walked into a place that I can call home. People wanted to meet me. People wanted to say hello to me. People wanted to greet me. I had three people invite me to go to lunch next week. I had people ask me out for ice cream. I had people who want to make connections with me. Do you know what next Sunday is? Easter Sunday, right? Easter Sunday is like the Super Bowl of Sundays. Man, if there's ever going to be a time when the room is full, it's Easter Sunday, right? If there's ever going to be a time... When guests are in the room, it's Easter Sunday. You come back next Sunday, you won't know half the people in the room, okay? That's an opportunity not to fight for your seat, but an opportunity to meet people and greet people. If that means I lost my seat and I got to sit over here or stand out there or sit over in an office somewhere, I'm glad to do it because I want to give people my seat because I want people to know that we welcome them here. We love people here. We care about people here because that's what we do. Amen? Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There's both a present tense and a future tense of this. Right now, as a Christian, you have a distinct advantage. You have God living inside of you. Isn't that amazing? Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Romans 8, 11 says, that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Do you believe that? Do you live like you believe that? We get all of that now. But we have to do all of this by faith. Because sometimes you're not going to feel like God lives inside of you. Sometimes you might feel like something else lives inside of you. Sometimes you're not going to look like you're a powerful, more than conqueror, follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes you're going to blow it. Sometimes you're going to fall on your face. Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to want to give up, want to quit. It's going to happen. But the Bible says we live by faith, not by sight. And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Not just to take you to heaven, but to live his life through you moment by moment and day by day. Right now we have to live by faith. But one day we're going to get to see. Verse 4 continues. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And that will be totally amazing. Listen, no one's going to get to heaven. And when they arrive, say, well, I thought it would be better than this. Nobody's going to say, Mark, well, I thought it would be more beautiful. I thought it would be more amazing. I thought I'd feel better up here. It's not going to be like that. Nobody's going to get to heaven and say, man, this is boring up here. Nobody is going to see Jesus and say, I thought he'd be more impressive than that. It's not going to be like that. You cannot begin to comprehend how incredibly amazing heaven is going to be and how great your God is. It's beyond our comprehension. And we're going to get to be there forever and ever. And it's not like after a thousand years, like, hey, can I do something else for a while? You're not going to lie. It's not going to be like, well, as long as I don't have to go to hell. It's not going to be like that. Your capacity for knowing and enjoying life is going to be greater than it can begin to be right here and now. And you're going to be in awe for all of eternity. You're probably going to be in awe because of some of the people you saw there too, but we won't get into that. So here's what we need to do now. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Whatever sin it is for you, whatever trips you up, whatever causes you to stumble, put it to death. Don't go there. Don't let sin control you. Verse 6. Because of these, because of sin, the wrath of God is coming. Listen, God loves you, but he hates sin. God is a holy God more holy than we can ever begin to imagine. If he were to come into this room and make himself known, we would all fall on our faces as dead. He's a holy God, and he hates sin. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Paul tells the Colossians, you used to live like that. That was your history, but it ought not be your current way of living. Verse 9, but now you must rid yourselves Of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips, you have a great privilege, the privilege of knowing Jesus, the privilege of being with him forever. But it's not just a privilege. You also have a responsibility to follow Jesus with all of your life. You can't make excuses for your sin and say, sorry, I just have a bad temper. Sorry, I just kind of cussed like a sailor. Uh, You just got to have to look over that. Sorry, I I just kind of lose it sometimes. Sorry, I, 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 whatever it is for you, can't do that, okay? Don't just be sorry. Be different. Be changed by the grace of God. The Bible talks about the word repentance. Repentance does not simply mean I'm sorry. What it means is a change of mind, a change of direction, a change of heart, a change of life. I was going in this direction. By the grace of God, I realized it was the wrong direction, so I made a U-turn, and I went in God's direction. Which direction are you going in? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I urge you. I plead with you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, 
To present your bodies a living, say living with me, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, moment by moment and day by day, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. And I put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We've got to, by the grace of God, take off the old self. However, it's not enough just to take off the old self. We've got to put on the new. Don't put the pictures up just quite yet, Dots. I want to set this up for just a moment. Years ago, we used to do something with a youth group called Yuck Day. Anybody here ever been to Yuck Day? Okay, Yuck Day, some of you have out at uh, the, help me out there, Where we, the Huffs, right, Mike and Vicki Huff. And, and the fire department, they would hose down this, this dirt area and make it solid mud. And then you, some of you have seen mud volleyball before. This is like mud volleyball on steroids. We would go out there, Tree and the youth group, we would go out there. I would go with them because I like to have fun. And uh, it's funny because I'm a germaphobe, but I would like going to Yuck Day. Anyway, we go to Yuck Day, and, and we wouldn't just play a game in the mud. We would deliberately try to get muddy. Like, we're going to dive into the mud now. We're going to see who can crawl through this line in the mud. We would get as muddy as we could possibly be. Show me some of these pictures now, Dots. That's me there. That's Michaela, my daughter, next to me. All right, show me another one. Anybody know who that is? That's Emma Ingalls. I saw that picture. I thought it was Karen. I thought, is that Karen? She, she wasn't that old then. That's Emma Ingalls. Show me the next one. That's Tree and me. Okay, Tree and me. It kind of rhymes. Okay. He's the tall one. Okay. Show me the next picture. Who's that? Do you know? Don, Don Humphrey, right? Well, it's Don Duda. But, but at Yuck Day, you get super, super, super muddy. And then when you get done, the fire department hoses you off. You stand in front of this big hose, and they go, and they're hosing you literally off all this mud. But they can't get it all off. So you know what you do after that? The guys would go in the garage, and the girls would go somewhere else, and we would have to take off every item of our clothing. And put on new clothing. Well, the idea here that Paul is talking about is taking off the old self. Putting on the new self. Clothing ourselves with Jesus Christ and his robe of righteousness. Verse 11. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Listen, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or black or white or tall or short or skinny or fat or somewhere in between. What matters is Jesus Christ. He came to this earth and he died on the cross for your sin that you might have life with him forever and ever and ever. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today's your day. 
Give your life to Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him. Trust in him. Follow him. If you do know him, then follow him. Not just kind of limping along and follow him, but follow him flat out, full bore with every fiber of your being, going for it. Yeah, sometimes you'll mess up, sometimes you'll blow it, sometimes you'll make a dumb mistake, but I'd rather make a few dumb mistakes and make my life count for something in the kingdom of God than just sit there like a one-talent man and do nothing. How about you? Amen? Verse 12, we got to hurry. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, because of what Jesus did for you, here's what you need to do. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You want to know how to treat people? Start right here. Clothe yourselves with kindness and compassion and gentleness and humility and patience. We're not talking outward show here. We're talking genuine compassion, genuine kindness, genuine humility. There's a lot of pretenders out there. They can be really nice to people that they want to impress. They can be really kind to people who are kind to them. They can be really thoughtful to people who can help get them a promotion in this world. But how do you treat the people who can do you absolutely no good? How do you treat the person who might be homeless How do you treat the person who's a little rude and rough around the edges? How do you treat people that are different than you are? Jesus has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. When he was asked, who's my neighbor? He told the story about the Samaritan. And the Samaritans and the Jews hated one another. He says, that's what it is to love your neighbor, to even love and reach out to people that are difficult for you to love. Verse 12 continues, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. Say gentleness with me. Gentleness. Gentleness. We should be gentle, okay? Galatians 5.22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Gentleness is not gentleness. It's gentleness, okay? The King James calls it meekness. But meekness is not weakness. You know what meekness is? It's strength. It's power under control. Like a racehorse getting ready to to burst through the gate at Kentucky Derby. When the bell goes off and the gate sounds, they're off, right? Until that time, they're just kind of walking up there. It's power, strength under control. Class 3.12 continues, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's one of the hardest things to do, is it not? How many really patient people do I have in the room today? I got a few of you, okay. How many impatient people? A lot more of you, okay. I understand. But it's amazing how much better the world would be if we'd put these things into practice. It's amazing how much better the church would be. It's amazing how much better your family would be and you would be, your life would be if you put these characteristics into practice. Verse 13, bear with each other. The Lord sure knows human nature, does he not? Turn the person sitting next to you and say, sometimes you're not that easy to put up with. Some of you have been waiting for that opportunity. You enjoyed it way too much. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive whatever complaints, issues, grievances you may have against one another. 
But Lord, you don't know what they've done. And you're right, I don't. I don't know what they did to, to you, but I know what people did to Jesus. And I would think what they did to Jesus is probably worse than what somebody else did to you. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That doesn't mean the other person's got to be your best friend. You've got to hang out with them all the time, but you need to be kind and gracious and thoughtful to them. Verse 13 continues, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In case you didn't get that, Paul continues, verse 14. Told you I had to rush here. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You get the love going, you get everything else going. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. When you love people, when you genuinely love people, it revolutionizes our relationships. We're not so quite so testy with one another. We're not so quick to criticize. We're not so quick to judge. We're quicker to encourage one another. And sometimes the hardest place to do that's at home, right? But we gotta love one another. The second hardest place may be at church, okay? But we gotta love one another, believe in one another, encourage one another. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ. Rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Sometimes that's the hardest part, being thankful. Because i got to be honest with you, sometimes life is hard. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes a check doesn't come in the mail. Sometimes you get a bad report from the doctor. Sometimes you fall and break your arm. Sometimes people are rude, and sometimes people are unkind, and sometimes it happens at church. But by the grace of God, where do we keep our eyes? We set our affections on things above. We set our affections, we set our minds, we set our hearts on Jesus Christ. We look for Him. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Where are you looking today? You're looking at the circumstances, you're looking at the frustrations, you're looking at the problems, you're looking at the issues, or are you looking at Jesus Christ? He has never failed even one time. Sometimes you'll fail, sometimes other people will fail, sometimes you'll blow it, sometimes they'll blow it, sometimes you will get knocked down. But when you get knocked down, look up. Look up to Jesus Christ. He's there waiting for you. He's waiting to empower you once again. The Bible says his strength is even made perfect in your weaknesses. You keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and for your love. Thank you for your goodness. I pray that you would move in our lives today. I pray that we'd be changed by what we've heard, by what we've read, by what we thought, by what we've said. Some of you, God's speaking to you today. He's calling you. Come home. You're living in frustration and defeat. You're living in criticalness maybe even despair. God's calling you today. He doesn't say, follow me and all your circumstances will be changed. 
But he does say, follow me, and you can be changed. What's he saying to you? For others of you, God might be calling you to nail it down. That you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior who died for you and as the Lord who rose from the dead. He's calling you. Give your life to Him. For some of you, He may be calling you to join this church as we go on mission to touch the world. What's God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Father, move in this room today. Help us to say yes to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. As we stand and sing together, you respond as God leads you.